0: syndrome
1: Wisdom. Podcast is back on this snowy question mark Sunday evening uh, winter is back you thought it was gone but no not in this part of the world as we all batten down the hatches for another weird week of weather. i um, one of your hosts here, Barry Murphy, in not-so-beautiful Limerick City, where we're being battered by loads and loads and loads and loads of rain. No snow, but just a, a, a disgusting amount of, uh, of uh, damp. Um, joined, as always, by my ever dependable co-host, first of all, Paul Griffin.
2: We had a little bit of snow uh, earlier on, but it's kind of already softened and started to disappear.
1: And also, Mr. Joe Towner.
0: Uh, hello, Barry. Uh, no snow here. Just been sort of, you know, a bit, bit, bit colder. No snow.
1: Fair enough.
0: Snowless. We're all
1: here anyway. Mm. Uh, we, we, all, we all, you know, bared the, the, the elements to get to the studio today.
2: Absolutely. Mm.
1: Um, uh, this is, of course, the last time I'll be doing that for three weeks. Um I'm like your absentee father or something. I just pop in and out whenever it suits me and I'm never here when you really need me, but uh, we're going to make it a good one this week folks, don't you worry. Uh we've got life and that we've got um uh um uh, <laughs> all the other things we usually do. Um and uh got you know reason
2: on the air the we got a lot of it.
1: Did we do a did we do a show rundown this week did we yeah we to yes oh <laughs> I didn't so just I didn't actually oh interesting um uh, why don't you lads kick us off here with a little bit of life golf tell us how your days are going and whatnot.
2: well I'm just putting a little bit of moisturiser on as we speak because my uh, oh
1: I'm oh. la
0: Dita is the queen visiting
2: I'm after getting out of the shower my skin's all dry so put a little bit of
0: what, what, what moisturizer is
2: it? Uh, I call it water, Joe. Just put a bit, a bit <laughs> of water on the face. That's, <laughs> That's not, not how that, moisturization that works. <laughs> okay. No, it's uh, I've already put it away, so I don't know. It's a little tub. I took it, It's not mine, uh, admittedly, but I took a little a finger glob worth out of it and splashed it on my face. Let me let me go back and get it. Maybe we can get a sponsorship out of it or something. Uh, it is Pons Ponds Institute brand. It's by Unilever. Pons. Uh, Pons. P-O-N-D-S. Yeah.
0: Pons. I think I'm familiar with that one. That's all right. <laughs> what else you been up to?
2: Um, Not much. A quieter week. I stayed up last night to watch the UFC because I thought, hmm. Uh, another
1: another shit one, was it? Like the last 70 that you've said have been shit, not worth it? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, it's almost like it's a, it's a weird, not real sport that's always bad. Hmm, interesting, go yeah, on. Uh, yes, uh, the, yes.
2: two, the two main events were about, were about, you know, hour-long, boring. Look, I don't want to perpetuate the cliche that UFC is just lads lying on each other, but if you're, <laughs> if you're into that, you got two hours worth of it yesterday. Fuck me, what load of old bollocks that was. Uh, so, da, 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 that was yesterday. Obviously, watched the footy as well. Uh, exciting game, that one. Weird how good sport, good, bad sport, bad. Uh, United, obviously, getting the win there yesterday against uh, lowly Southampton side. Uh, every goal come by way of a 35-yard Thunder Bastard. Um, so, that was quite fun. Um, bit of snow today, as we mentioned. And... Uh, what else? Yeah, I've just been watching movies all day today. That's all I've done. i watched three movies today. Uh, so a quiet weekend. What about yourself, yeah. Joe? Anything interesting? I
0: um, went to the cinema during the week to see Fighting With My Family. It mm. was good. we yeah. about talk about that later. Um, then went for a, a Nando's afterwards, which... Um, you know, you have certain expectations of Hernando's, you order your food, it's pretty quick, it's cheap and cheerful, bit of chicken, nice. Uh, took us 40 minutes to get our food. Um, Michelle was absolutely furious, <laughs> couldn't believe it. Um, I think we waited about half an hour, and it was, it was actually fairly busy, it was Thursday night, but it was quite busy in there, there was like a kid's birthday party. Um, so we kind of waited and waited and waited and thought, oh, I was about to go up and complain. And then they brought out a cake <laughs> for the kid whose birthday it was. And everyone in the restaurant started singing happy birthday to this kid. Obviously, we're sat there not joining in, absolutely seething, going, hmm, well, wish we were getting fucking cake. We haven't even had our chicken yet. Um, then uh, then went up and complained and eventually we got it. So that was a bit of a damper on the evening. Uh, I have to say the... The Nando's experience, not as good as the cinema experience, um, which we'll talk about later.
2: I actually had a similar um, experience in the week, Joe. Um, yeah. This was on Friday. I got in after a long day's work. Yeah. And said, you know, I don't feel like cooking today. I'm going to order, order in a takeaway. So I ordered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, <laughs> you know, long, long-term listeners will know my uh, run-ins with the takeaway biz. Oh, yeah. in, with the industry, you know. Um, so I ordered through the Just Eat app, which is a, -hmm. you know, if if you're not familiar with that, an Uber Eats or, you know, one of those uh, apps that allows you to order from a a variety of uh, takeaway establishments. So I ordered from a place up the road from here that I quite enjoy called the Hamburger Bar. Just your typical burger and chips and that. Yeah. uh let me open the email here just to get the the details on exactly how the transaction went here <laughs> t- 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 get the get the old evidence out here um get the transcripts <whistles> okay so this was on friday uh second t- t- so i ordered uh my food at seven twenty eight right all right he made a note of the okay. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at the email here. So I, I, okay. I ordered. Okay. F- I ordered the food at 7:28. Well, at least that's when I got the confirmation email, and um, it said your food will be delivered by 8:15. So a, a 45 minute wait. Fuck it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. I'll you know, mm-hmm. do something on the way for the food. That's fine. Um, over an hour and a half later.
0: Oh, okay. 10 here past
2: nine. I think. Uh, after standing downstairs by the door for half an hour waiting for it to show up and and calling them twice calling the excuse me the takeaway directly by phone twice no answer mm-hmm. mm. I finally say look i'm going to email i emailed them through the app and said look I, I i ordered this food an hour and a half ago it's not here yet you i could i could have walked there and been back already twice I, I it. at this stage yeah yeah
0: uh it's and not if it it's, comes
2: it's definitely going to be cold so i said look yeah. i i'd appreciate a refund uh, at that stage i went out to the closer local chippy just to get something in the rain by the way which is why i didn't want to go out originally just went to the one around the corner mccary's got that instead and uh i come back and natty says oh they arrived finally an hour and a half later uh and she, of course, didn't take the food and said, "Look, we've been waiting fucking half an hour. He's already gone out and got more food." So um, they were sent back, and and, I, and the, the, in, to be fair, the order was cancelled and I was refunded. But uh, okay. I mean, fuck's sake! It, it's like a, a fifteen-minute walk from here. Why? How could it take an hour and a half to deliver food? Um. So yeah, I, I was I was seeing them as well, and I called him twice and no answer. And then like when when the food yeah. came and I was out, Natty was kind of saying to guy, "Look." I know you're just a driver or whatever, but like, (laughs) we're not taking that food, take it back to them. Mm. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's the last order I'll make from that establishment, because that was shambles.
0: Yeah, yeah, you just, it's, I don't like complaining, because, you know, people, especially like the waiter or whatever, or the person taking the order, it probably wasn't them that fucked up, it was someone in the kitchen, lost the, the order or dropped it or something, Yeah. But oh, it's so annoying. All you can do is just like passive aggressively, uh, not go back or t- tell everyone you meet. Oh well, we'll go there. Talk about uh, it on a podcast, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, on a popular podcast. Mm.
1: It's one of those things. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like you know, it's not this particular person's fault, but it's also the thing that you most want to lash out about because you're hungry. Mm. It's like mm. I want to be mad because I'm hungry
2: on top of everything else. I mean, if oh. I if I ordered food. From Leak Slip by mistake, I'd maybe expect it to take an hour and a half to arrive. But I mean, literally, mm. literally, a, probably a twenty-minute walk from here is is the place. Like, how can it take an hour, over an hour and a half to arrive? It's it's impossible. Unless, as you say, Joe, they fucking dropped the order, forgot to do it, or something.
0: Yeah, someone thinks they've done it, but
2: then, and but then I called them, and no answer, and they're like they when you order through this app, they have your number. So they maybe I like, could they give yeah. you a quick call, and say, oh, look, we've sorry about this. We're on the way. Don't worry. We'll we give it to you a, a free Coke or something, you know, customer service, Nothing. Just, they just show up an hour, 45 minutes. Here's your food from yesterday. Ah, so yeah. Anyway, the replacement food was very nice. Happy to report.
0: good. Good. Uh, speaking of poor customer service, we also, uh, oh, no. Michelle and I, took uh, my mum out. <laughs> to the no, we didn't go to Nando's. We went to uh, so the local uh, museum near us called the uh, Horniman Museum. They've got a new exhibit on what is it? Lego or something? Um, yeah, Lego. Leg, Yeah, it's like, I think it's the wonders of the world done in Lego or something okay. like that. Anyway, Michelle and I were quite excited to go and see this. Um, uh, so we took my mum along to it yesterday afternoon Um it's very popular with, ki- with kids and families This this museum often well, very very busy with lots of young children um, but we went at about three o'clock and it closes at 5.30 so I thought you know we just go for the last couple of hours probably won't be too busy get there there's a queue at the ticket office of about 25 people and there's one person on the tills selling tickets and oh. uh, we're standing there, and we're standing there, and we're going, oh, this is a load of shit." Um, and it's full of kids, and not like nine and ten year olds, like three and four year olds. Oh. And you know what they're like? They're running around, they're climbing on things.
2: They should have been they're at to Duplo exhibit. They're
0: screaming. There. They're snotting their bogies everywhere. Oh. It's oh, unbelievable. So we waited in the queue for about five minutes, and I just said let's should we just go into there's like a free part of the museum that you can wander around that we've seen you know before should we just have a little wander around there go to the cafe have a cake and a bit of tea and then go home and we'll do you know if we do want to do the lego thing we'll do it another day so we did that and that was that was nice enough but yeah god just you know like 50 people in a queue like full of kids and i one person serving what are they thinking on a Saturday afternoon. I just... I don't know. Uh, yeah, anyway.
2: Hope, their team lead needs to be more flexible. That's what it is. Because we have... I think you See, in my work, we have a similar thing where we do, like, live chats and calls You got Lego. Like, yeah. You know... <laughs> the, 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 the old mecano yeah. section. Uh, yeah. Um uh, But, like, if the, if the phones are too quiet and we're getting hammered on chats, then some of the people will go off the phone and start taking chats. You know, you have to... Yeah. Yeah. Probably the people cleaning the jacks were sitting around on their holes. They could have
0: served. Yeah, back, I'm sure there were plenty of staff about, but yeah, anyway. Mm. Um also they've got a little kind of farm thing there, so I saw a llama and a <laughs> llama Okay. Few ra- few rabbits, uh guinea pig. Aw. And some chickens. So that was nice as well. That was
2: yeah, good. I got good some, stuff. I got some of them right here.
0: The, what? All, the little llamas. Thing.
2: <laughs> the typical English farm llama yeah. Now I've uh, got the guinea pigs right here all, all still alive, all still good
0: The thing that worried me with the llamas The fence was only about three foot high And these llamas were pretty big I was thinking, hang on What if one just wants to jump over? Maybe
2: it's like that thing where you have the little Outline of salt Will keep the Whatever, spider inside I don't know how that works
0: <laughs> Snails Okay, yeah. Maybe you're right, Paul. Maybe
2: maybe llamas just can't maybe their knees don't work in such a way that they can go over the smallest
0: defenses I don't know. You're right, yeah. Might be like a cow. <laughs> Bend its knees in a certain way. Ah yeah. Oh, yeah. That was um my week in customer service anyway. <laughs> uh yeah, I am. Um... I didn't have much of a week,
1: really, to be honest. I um, yeah, I got my, old, my bag packed for Germany. I'm trying yeah. to get more organized. Go, yeah, 16 carat next weekend. Very excited about it. I got all my little cute little mini toiletries and all that. Oh. My, my plain appropriate toiletries. They're in a Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. I've all my changes of... of I've extra changes of underwear, lads, in case... Wow, <laughs> wow. Well. Yeah. Well. Um, or, you know, because the thing is, it's in Oberhausen, which is also uh, housing a, a Post Malone concert that, that weekend. Right. So in case any of those people try and, like, talk to me, I've got to change your clothes and all this other stuff. Well, you
2: should probably bring a change of underwear for the other people who haven't seen your bowling skills before.
1: Oh, that is that is a despicable low blow. Um, uh I... But I don't have a comeback because it's extremely true. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm I'm quite terrible. There is a a bowling tournament on the Friday, and I hope it is just over mercifully quick because I'm awful. I love that Um, as a
2: thing, though. That's such a great idea.
1: Yeah, it's it's very, very cool. Um, They've really made it into a kind of a festivally kind of vibe. There is a podcast marathon before the first show on Friday. On Saturday, there's... uh, Two shows being put on by WXW, and then in the middle of those, there's a kind of an indie showcase where they're getting mm. other promotions from the area to put on something of a super show with non-WXW talent, which I think is a very cool thing. Um, and then there's usually a big meal with all of the all of the traveling fans, all the Brits and all the Irish who go over, which is a massive group because I did this last year and there was about fifty of us at the dinner. Uh, it's great. It's it's I really really love it. I I had the best time last weekend, and the roster is just bonkers i'm seeing my pentagon at, lo- at long last because he won't he refuses to come to ireland he refuses to recognize the free state of era uh, pentagon will not come here and wrestle uh, so i'm seeing pentagon i'm seeing phoenix you know uh axel dieter jr marcel barthel to you nxt uk viewers uh you know and, and tons of other great people so i'm very very excited see i've been packing for that got my holidays all booked got my travel arranged so yeah counting down the days and uh, yeah that's really been my life guff this week, not a whole lot else going on. Uh do you want to jump into one of our other guffs here? We got uh we got a got a lot of telly guff we could jump into if we wanted to do that. Yeah, let's go. Uh, who wants to kick us off here?
2: Well, let me just talk quickly about my one because it's a show that nobody has any interest in apart from me. But I want to talk about it for a specific reason, and that's uh the Grand Tour, the, the show formerly known as Top Gear. But no, you you guys will be interested oh, in why in why
0: I want to talk about uh, it because uh, well. did they all die in a horrific accident?
2: <laughs> they have they haven't as a matter of fact. But let me let me. I, this this is interesting. Come on, give me a chance. And then after, if you didn't like it, I'll never talk about it again. <laughs> There's a promise. Um, the thing with Top Gear, right? What, what I always enjoyed most about Top Gear was the the madcap kind of long form um adventure style segments they would do, rather than you know the the quite plain reviews of so-and-so supercar which i really have no interest in whatsoever but there was always there was always a certain amount of um funny enough i'm talking about this on a, re- on a wrestling show There was always a certain amount of predetermined ism to it that kind of to me took away from the spontaneity of it, it, it like even the stuff that was presented in spontaneity always had like a a rehearsed feeling behind it. And to me, and I haven't had this confirmed, this is just my own interpretation, right? They've gone one step further now by CGI-ing in stuff. Oh, God. Uh, I noticed this on a recent episode, uh, once or twice. Now, again, as I say, this is, this is not something I've looked into and confirmed this is, in fact, the case. But there were multiple things that, to me, seemed like computer-generated. Which to me is one step too far. I mean, come on, the fuck!
0: Arr. what what sort of stuff? It wasn't the cars? Was it?
2: No. <coughs> Although maybe that's next season's uh, direction. Um, no, there was an episode where they went to Colombia to uh, photograph animals, and there was uh, a bit where the, like humming humming bees would come or hummingbirds, humming bee, uh, was coming very close to their face. And I was saying, this is not real. This is in fact a, a CGI uh, bird that is happening. So very, very bad form, lads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the rest of the show was the prerequisite, you know, racism you would expect from uh, three toffs making a car show. Huh. Yeah. yeah. What about you, uh, Joe? What did you watch?
0: Um, a couple of things. So. Catching up with a uh, Broad City, um, wonderful sitcom if you've, if you've never watched it, uh, very, very funny. I uh, watched the most recent few episodes yesterday, it's uh, just, just, just very good, very funny. I think they've maintained the quality throughout the series five or six now, but yeah, very, still very, very funny. Um, also watched the uh, first episode of This Time with Alan Partridge. Uh, which went out last Monday or this Monday. Um, Well, I don't want to say too much, but I'll be honest, didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, Didn't laugh much at all. Uh, I I absolutely love I'm Alan Partridge, the sitcom, the two two series of that are two two of my favourite comedy seasons ever. I just think they're brilliant. And I've been rewatching those recently. But whenever I see Alan Partridge in another format, I just don't like it as much. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't work for me. So that was a shame because I was really looking forward to, to his return oh, to the is the BBC. This one, is this one. It's it's kind of presented as just a chat show, um, so it's a, almost like a satire of a chat show, um, with a little bit of kind of behind you know the cameras go off and you see a bit behind the scenes stuff. But it's not a sitcom format. It's it is presented as a half hour. It's like the one show or you know. That type of program, um, but you do just get half an hour of that show, and to me, I, as a send up or a satire of that show, it's not particularly good. And I just, I just want to see Partridge the character kind of interacting with people and, and you know, seeing the character and Jakes. So anyway, I probably won't watch the rest of it, which is a shame. But you know, a lot of people enjoyed it, so good luck to them. I'll just rewatch the old ones. Fair yeah. enough.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I prefer I'm Alan Partridge to like knowing me, knowing you, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm glad you enjoyed Broad City. I'm still way behind. I Haven't watched any of that last season. Um, I wish we could get to that at some point. Uh, okay. The only thing I watched this week of any note was a new-ish show on Netflix, uh, Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy. Uh, mm. Larry, Larry Charles was the I think he was the director of Borat. Um, yeah, and Curb as well and Yeah, so he did Curb and Seinfeld You know, he's he's something of a journeyman He's been in comedy for, forever um, And so basically, this is a four-part series He did on Netflix Where he's going to, like, basically The most dangerous places in the world um, And seeing what their comedy scenes are like And also, in some cases He's interviewing people Who make those places dangerous And asking them what it is that they find funny It's a very, very... Uh, mm. Out there concept. The first episode, he's dealing with kind of war-torn countries, so he goes to Iraq, and he kind of deals, he interviews their equivalent of like John Stewart or Trevor Noah, like mm. their David's equivalent, where he's kind of lampooning ISIS, and he's lampooning the government and all this other stuff, uh, and he's also talking, and he goes to uh, Liberia, which was a country I knew absolutely nothing about talked about their kind of civil war. So he talked to a fledgling comedy scene in Liberia. And then he also talks to a former uh, sort of warmongering general of the civil war in Liberia turned pastor, because Mm. he wants to interview the people sort of, he wants to interview the people Mm. who make the world a dangerous place and see what makes them funny. And so he's chatting to this guy who um, used to sacrifice children and eat human hearts about how his favourite thing to watch is uh, Bill Cosby's Kids Say the darndest Things, which, is, which was his actual answer when he was asked what makes him laugh.
2: But for him, it's like, um, a, it's like watching MasterChef.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and, and, he, and he's, like, uh, he's like, prior to that, he's like, he you know,
2: mm.
1: back, back in your war days, what did, did you and your crew laugh? Did you have fun? And he's like, oh yes, you know, sometimes we lay ambush for our enemies and they fall in the ambush and we just laugh and have a good time. <laughs> And I was like, wow. it's it's really good. It's really really good. I just watched the first episode, but it was really fantastic. Um, and I know the, the the first two episodes are kind of tied together. They're they're in like war-torn countries. So the third episode is in the U.S., like interviewing some like you know far-right figures, and then the fourth episode is in Nigeria. Um, so I, I'm really enjoying it. I'll probably finish there probably on my on my travels this week. So yeah, thumbs up for that. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and that's, that's the only telly I've really been watching this week. Uh, so, yeah, we can, I suppose we can move on there. Paul, did you play a video game this week?
2: Yeah, I've been playing a lot of uh, Minish Cap, the Game Boy Advance Capcom-developed Legend of Zelda game. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, I one thing I had to buy now, because we're back, obviously, in, in Rohini, I had to buy, and I'm happy that they produce these, some extension cables for my SNES Mini controllers. Okay. Oh yeah, that's good. Because we have, uh, I think as we discussed before in the podcast, we have a projector set up here, um, and a, a, a big whatever screen that that the project two hundred inch screen or so that the projection is shown on. Which means that I need to, I'm sitting a good, probably two and a half three meters back from the screen when I'm playing PlayStation, for example, or watching a movie. But the Super Nintendo Mini or Classic or whatever it's actually called. The cable is only, I don't know, a a third of a meter long, give or take, between a third and a half of a meter long. So I can't really have, I have neither a HDMI or power cable long enough to have the SNES Mini next to me, Mm -hmm. nor are the controller cables themselves long enough. Uh, So last week when I was playing, I think, I don't know whether I said this on the podcast last week, but I was like sitting on a stool. And half a meter from the screen is very difficult to play that way. So I ordered in some extension cables off Amazon. Three meter long extension cables. And uh, happy to report that they work perfectly fine uh, and allowed me to play some Zelda. So I played about three and a half hours of it yesterday. And uh, I had that moment. I, I love when I have. When I go back to an old game that I beat years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And I get stuck. And I'm like, how did I, <laughs> how did I figure this out? When I was like, 15, but now I can't get past it. And that, that happened to me a few times yesterday. Um it's a really well designed game though. I think even more so than mm-hmm. than some of the Nintendo developed ones. Um I just love the way the world is kind of like certain areas are locked out based on your abilities, but it's not so obvious as like, well, you can't go to the top right area. It's kind of more subtle than that, that within the areas that you can go, there are certain parts that you might not even be aware of that are only unlocked or, or open up later in the game as, you, as your abilities develop. Uh, and the best uh, example of that is the fact that about a quarter into the game, or maybe even a fifth into the game, you unlock the ability to become very, very tiny. Mm. almost like you know the borrowers or something like that and even within people's houses you can you get real small and there's little doors that you can go through that you wouldn't have been aware of that were even there <laughs> it's great it's so so good so um that's what i'm playing at the moment on my thing but you know you don't necessarily need a snes mini to play you could get a a gba emulator and you can play it with your mouse keyboard if interest it's a really really great little game um i think the snes mini is the perfect way to play it obviously because the controller is seamlessly works for it but um and of course it doesn't come with the snes mini by default you have to modify it to add it on but oh, things. such a such a very good uh good game and also the music for it is is great because it's, it's not like your typical nintendo-y zelda music it is like that style but obviously done by someone else like the capcom twist on it let's say ah, so so good very very good game But, of course, that means that Red Dead has kind of once again fallen by the wayside. Mm -hmm. I really, really need to focus and and play some Red Dead. What what I will say, though, is although one one trap that it's fallen into already is that when I'm not playing it, I'm not thinking about it or aching to play it. Even though when I do play it, I enjoy it, you know?
0: Um, Well, that's a scene. If it was any good, surely you'd be playing it. Well, Mm -hmm. I will
2: force myself to play it at least (laughs) <laughs> force three or four hours. Well, I, I say it, force myself because is
0: it, is it as bad as UFC?
2: No, <laughs> Not not many things are as bad as UFC has been <laughs> um No, it's it's just I, I need to sit myself down and play it. Um,
1: I had a, I had a similar I had a similar thing with it. I was just I I would put it down and I just I would struggle to really be motivated to play it. And that was even once the story got going, I was really into it. But again, it was just. Um, it's just I don't know what it is. It's just not a whole lot of fun to play. That is just top and bottom of it. Well, you it's see, really
2: I not. I have never just never got on with Rockstar games for whatever reason. This is this is my third Rockstar game I've given the old you know, good the 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 try to and it's just GTA four, GTA five and now Red Dead Two. I don't know, they just they never grab me.
1: And but and, and the thing is, that you've never gotten them. They've gotten less welcoming as time has gone on, like this is the least pick upable. I mean, you're you're so because I know just from the last time we talked about it, you're still very early. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're probably still introduced to fucking systems and fucking mechanics at this stage. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, they throw so much of that at you, and so much of it is completely useless. It's just so you don't have to hunt. You don't really have to do any of that. You don't have to like keep your morale high or your honor high. You really don't. Because at the end of the day. All you're doing in your missions is riding your horse to location A, shooting everyone and riding back. I mean, that's all you're doing.
2: But this is you know kind we... of a greater problem of video games these days, that they're just becoming flabbier and flabbier rather than dire experiences. And yeah, I, I, we're, I, I think we're almost at critical mass now, with especially um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey that I played last year, which is still kind of a uh, almost an arcade style game, whereas Red Dead is obviously much more simulatory, I don't know if that's even a word. But um but still it's just so flabby. It's so um full of u- either useless mechanics or useless filler that doesn't actually add anything to the story or character development or anything like that. And this is actually mm. a point that I was thinking of, you know, separately to video games because I w- a movie I'm going to talk about later. I watched um the 1991 Beauty and the Beast. Oh, and uh and, and it's like 90 minutes. There's no flab whatsoever. It's just a very, very simple 90 minutes. There's not a, a wasted moment. And then I th- was thinking to something, okay, not a Disney movie, admittedly, but that I watched a Lego movie too the other week. And like, you could very easily snip half an hour off, you know, and I, I think a lot of kids' movies these days have that problem. And a lot of, not movies generally, but certainly kids' movies, and a lot of video games there's just so much stuff that doesn't add to the experience, and as is the case to bring it back to Red Dead, like as you say, there's hunting, there's uh, cleaning your gun, cutting your hair, cleaning your horse. Um, I don't know. I I I much preferred, although I look back at at Spider Man uh, with you know at certain problems with um, the re- repetition of of the little crimes or whatever but that was like a tight 25 minute in and out and and it was the perfect length for me yeah Um, i think if that had been a 70 hour game i would have been very very burned out by the end
0: Mm.
2: Mm. Um, yeah like minish cap for example right (laughs) fair enough is is a, a a game boy advance game from i don't know 2005 or something but it's like i think it's like 12 hours long perfect <laughs> you know that's that, that's all i needed to be actually that reminds me um
1: i did br- very briefly as in like one mission i did fire up spider-man again to start that dlc uh because i got the first chapter of the dlc right. for you the game okay um yeah uh, i don't think I'll fin- i don't think i'll even finish that chapter i long. i
2: really wasn't hot at all on the dlc i found it would very, I, very I, disappointing would-
1: when you get to that part of the first mission where you have to hack a door and uh, the like, there's this is like handprint graphic. You're like, oh, is this going to be a new hacking game? It's Like, no, no, it's the same hacking mini game that you did fifty times during the campaign. I was like, all right, you've, you've, using your basic mission layout structure from the main game. You've pieced together a couple more missions. I don't need any more of this. I never,
2: mi- I never mind. I never mind the. Um the The hacking mini games because to me it was like, like it was I like doing the little New, New York Times crossword once a day. It's like a little puzzle. You sort of well, I, I thought I thought they were cool
1: the first time I did them, and then I did them a million times, um, over and <laughs> over and I over. I thought again. they were cool yeah. the first
2: time I did them in a, a game in two thousand and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, the I mean the DLC narratively is just a huge step down from the main game, unfortunately, and aside from one semi major thing it doesn't kind of continue on any of the threads that the main game kind of set up obviously it's got to keep the big stuff for the sequel um yeah no when it comes to the DLC i would just advise people just watch a, watch a youtube compilation <laughs> don't bo- don't bother the whatever <laughs> 10 hours to play it it's 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 not worth it Uh
1: yeah so i didn't play the I, I i very i completely fallen off resident evil i picked it back up it's a very spooky game so i picked it back mm. up and then i played an hour and i got scared um <laughs> so I, i'm still chipping away at that it's great but i'm just i'm i'm you know i have to kind of be in the right mindset to play it yeah. um we got a lot of movies to chit chat about yeah I just
2: Shop. by the way when it comes to um music i got a tweet from scott mcavoy recommending me um an album to listen to. i just haven't had a chance to uh to listen to it yet? Did you notice, by the way, Weezer mm. put a new album out? Yeah, and I just oh.
0: heard it talking. Again, so.
2: again, a new album.
0: Not is it not more covers? Is it? No,
2: no, it's a new album.
0: Is it, you, it covers of their covers?
2: Yeah,
0: Weezer covering Africa by Weezer. <laughs> <coughs>
2: um, yeah. I did. I did give another listen to sure. um, that new Tenacious D one that I wasn't hot on. Um, that came out this year, I kind of feel the same way about it. So I don't have any new insight for it. It's, mm-hmm. n- it's not very good uh, at all. Um, moving off then, I want to hear what you guys thought of fighting with my family. So please. Yeah,
0: George, well, you want to kick it out? Let's, yeah, let's start with the big one. Um, Barry and I have seen it. Paul, i take it you haven't yet seen it.
2: I haven't yet seen it. I will try and see it this week.
0: See it. Good, good. Well, first thing is, that it was good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was both uh, funny. Um, I think Steve did a great job of um kind of portraying wrestling in a, in an accurate you know reasonably accurate respectful way but without making it inaccessible to people who think wrestling's a load of old uh fake guff in spandex and so that was it was a good balance uh, the story was really good uh yeah and overall just kind of a big thumbs up I think it. Um, for for people who haven't seen the kind of original documentary or read too much about the plot, it basically follows uh, Paige's career, starting from when she was um, back in Norwich in England as part, part of a wrestling family, the Knight family, or the Bevis family is their real name. Um, so the dad was a wrestler, mum's a wrestler, uh, the older brother was the zebra kid, who was yeah, fairly notable back in, the, back in the day in the kind of British indie scene. Uh, I think he once wrestled uh, Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor title and in FWA. Um, so it's about them, and it's a, it's mainly centres around Paige and her brother Zach, who both kind of go for a WWE tryout um, back in 2010 or whenever it was, 2009 maybe. Um, and it kind of follows their their differing paths as a of success of kind of breaking into the the world of WWE. So um, yeah, it's really good. What did you think, Barry?
1: Yeah, I, I really liked it as well. And I think one thing he hit on there was that he did, you know, it is accessible to the non fans, which I really appreciate. Um, and while it covers kind of the grueling nature of wrestling, I do like that. I think overall it's a more kind of positive movie about wrestling in general. Mm. Um, the comra- Especially at the sub WWE level, the camaraderie, the, the sense yeah. of community, the passion, like the 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 scenes of uh kind of the nights kind of school, like uh, you know, they show Zach kind of rounding up the local kids who are kind of up to mm. no good if, if it weren't for the training. Uh yeah. getting to the, the the local gym to to you know train. Um I really like that because it's like and I, I saw some criticism that it's maybe a bit soft, especially on WWE specifically, because mm. they mm. WWE endorsed film. It's like, I I was surprised to see a WWE Studios credit at the beginning uh, i think that's probably <laughs> the only time them and film four will be working together
0: uh, <laughs> well that was the first laugh the movie got from me was when that <laughs> <came>
1: <laughs> um, so you know it's got their seal of approval so naturally they're not they're not sticking it to the industry when it comes to drugs or early deaths yeah. or, but, but my feeling on that is also is that we've that's been done a lot we we the general public has yes. been exposed so much to that side of wrestling that i actually kind of appreciate yeah. it them going and plus you know it wasn't all wholesome i mean you kind of saw you know the the the, the kind of harsh nature of mm. the recruiting process and the, the, the physical aspect of it and one thing that's weird is that we're in this hyper you know pro-women era of WWE, and they kind of presented the like uh, the women are still kind of second class around the time that this film is set yeah uh, and they're kind of eye candy and the crowd don't take them seriously and and they're they're kind of setting Paige up as this uh, difference maker in that regard, which she was, to be fair. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I really liked it. I think I think wrestling fans, even though it does a great job appealing to the broad audience, I actually do think wrestling fans will will enjoy it for what it is. I mean, if you want to be a stickler for details, I mean, you know, you can you can nitpick it here or there, but it's really nothing is particularly egregious. Um, and I think I think there is some stuff to sink your teeth into as a fan. I liked the. Uh, I won't get into specifics, but I liked the portrayal of the other women she's training with. Mm. Mm. I found it kind of pleasantly surprising in in some ways. Um, Yeah, but uh, really funny. Um, uh, Great cast. Really like Nick
0: Frost in this. Um, Yeah, Yeah, he's great. Lena Headey's great as the mom as well. That was a spot on portrayal of um, sweet Soraya. Sweet Soraya. Um it's top, and actually. the other the other guy, the guy who plays the brother, Zach, was fantastic as well. He looks like a teenage Simon Pegg, which I found very distracting at points because he just looks so much like him. That's actually um, a great joke. That is a great joke. Yeah, just like him. But yeah, he was he was really, really good as well. So I think only I'd have very kind of minor criticisms. I think there's times where in the middle it it isn't it so much drag, but it felt a little bit repetitive where you, you kind of keep seeing Page going through the training and, and struggling with it, and it's kind of like, well, okay, we've yeah, we're seeing her struggle and go through that journey. I, I would have liked it to maybe go a bit deeper into kind of her being sort of alone in America and that kind of thing. Um, I'd say also sometimes it's a comedy drama, and a lot of the comedy is is that kind of not broad but quite you know silly sort of you know, British style comedy where it's kind of silly yeah. jokes and, and that kind of thing. And that's that, you know it was funny, it was good. Um, but then I think this is something that I think Steve and Ricky have basically always struggled with, kind of putting on the, the Steve Merchant Ricky Gervais fan hat now, taking off the wrestling one. Um, they, they've they always kind of struggled to balance that kind of comedy and drama, the tone of it a little bit. Um basically since The Office, because The Office did it absolutely perfectly. Um, but then when you look at stuff like Extras and Cemetery Junction, and especially the kind of later stuff, it's it's always a bit of an awkward contrast between the slightly silly comedy and then when it tries to go a bit more emotional and dark and things like that. And it, is, it is a very difficult balance. Yeah. Um, but there's times where you see the brother, Zach, kind of struggling with not having got picked up by WWE. And he's, um, you know, not kind of descending into into the into darkness or depression. It doesn't go really deep into that, which to me in a way it would have been nice to see it go a bit more deeper. Like, um, you know, you see him kind of drinking at one point and, it, and you see him doing kind of hardcore matches and stuff. It would have been nice to maybe go a bit further, but again, it's very difficult to balance that with okay. then going into quite a funny scene, uh, you know, with Nick Frost doing some physical comedy or something. Um, that'd be my very kind of minor criticism, but I th- overall, yeah, I thought it was very good. I thought he, Steve did a fantastic job uh, and the rock's not in it much. That's, no. that's the one bonus as well. Um, and that scene that they kept showing with the rock, um, where he cuts the promo on the two, on the two characters actually was a lot better. Uh, I think once you saw the full thing rather than the cut down version, it wasn't as excruciating, uh, no, yeah. in, in the context of the movie either. So and, yeah, that was good. Uh,
2: how, how big is the rocks part in the movie?
0: Oh, hello.
2: Yeah. He's, um, he's kind of, uh, he's very much a,
1: uh, and also starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's not a featured yeah. player. He's okay. uh, he has yeah. that cameo, and kind of he comes back around later. They kind of um, they uh, so the Vince Vaughn character is much more uh, kind of central. Mm. Oh yeah, he's um,
0: great. Oh Vince Vaughn, he's,
1: he's good. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's uh, best performance in a long time. Yeah I can't remember actually yeah I can't really think of the last really great Vince Vaughn performance yeah. uh, and they kind of imply a little bit of a dynamic that I won't get into but mm. um yeah it's it, it's literally just I think more or less two scenes it's not it's not anything okay. um,
0: It's they yeah. started beyond that uh, I think and both Steve's in more <laughs> Steve's in more scenes than the rock I think in this movie yeah. so that book, yeah. it is
1: it is one thing I do like it is a very Steve Merchant film I feel
0: um yeah it's a very kind of british film as well in the you can see this kind of, it's like a Shaun of the Dead or a Hot Fuzz. It's got, it doesn't pander to the American audience all that much. It is very kind of British film, um, it's not- which I liked. And that's, that's what the documentary was like. You know, it was uh, about a British family and that, that that type of dynamic. So if you tried to turn it into Rocky, you know, I don't think that would work. It needed to be yeah. that, that same kind of tone.
1: It's definitely not, it's not an American's take on what Norwich is like, which would be terrible. No. Yeah. It's very much. He knows what Norwich is like. He's showing you that, and the 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 glitz and the glamour of of WWE is kind of framed uh, for you through the eyes of that family, which is actually really cool. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you read his uh, his uh, his opinion piece or his his column in the Guardian. Uh, yeah yeah it was good and and i think a lot of what he said he was going for i think actually comes through in the film you know Mm. they're obviously this really you know really working class family and Mm. he wanted the film to reflect that but not necessarily be sneering at that which i don't think it was Mm. um it is you know they're very kind of the dad especially he's very kind of rough around the edges but it's not shown to be this Mm. kind of negative thing Um, uh yeah i just really really enjoyed it i think paul you'll you'll enjoy it quite a bit i think it's uh certainly one of the better things I think I've seen the rock involved with in some time. Ooh. Uh, and, and you, you would be the man to judge that, uh, more thoroughly <laughs> than us. Uh, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see, um, what he attaches his name to as a producer going forward. Cause this was a big, this is a big win. Um, mm. Uh, now what his actual involvement is I don't know he likes to spit the yard that he saw the documentary and he called up Steve Merchant and we got it we got I was I was watching BBC in my hotel room brother and I got we this is gonna be a 90 plus Rotten Tomatoes uh, uh, film brother uh, you know what What his actual involvement is I don't know but, but uh, I'm, I'm more interested to see what his kind of production company gets behind more so than mm. him as a star going forward mm. Uh, that uh, any other movies there now that we've done uh, we've done fighting with my
0: family. Um, I did watch a documentary yesterday. Uh, it's called Three Identical Strangers. I mm. um, don't know if you've heard about this, but it, it came out last year. I'm Sorry, very well, interested to hear
2: your thoughts on it. Yeah, have you seen it? No, but
0: you might oh, you okay. might push it, me to
2: see it if if you thought it was good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would highly highly recommend it. It was it was nominated for the best documentary bafta but didn't make it onto the oscars shortlist which was surprising because i think it's really really good documentary um so well, i don't want to say too much about it because it if you do need to watch it and if you say anything it kind of spoils it the, the basic kickoff of the premise of it is that a guy goes to college um on the first day of college after summer he goes there and all of these people are uh welcoming him and and speaking to him very kind of with a lot of familiarity and they think as if they know him and they're saying welcome back it's his first day there he has no idea what's going on it then transpires that someone had attended the college last year who was his complete doppelganger um yeah he ends up speaking to a friend of this doppelganger uh he realizes that him and the doppelganger were both adopted uh both born on the same day and, of course, it then transpires that they are actually twins who were separated at birth and adopted by different families. Um, where it then goes is that someone sees, they then go to the newspapers, there's a big story about it, and they get a bit of notoriety. Someone else sees this newspaper story, a third doppelganger, who it turns out to be a triplet. Um <laughs> So that actually wasn't twin separated birth. It was triplet separated birth. And so they reunite and they become a bit of a kind of media presence. They do all, all the chat shows and everything and, and do kind of movie cameos and things like that. Um, but that's just the kind of kickoff. That's the premise that you start off with. It then goes into something kind of much deeper and different, uh, and which I won't talk about because it's best if you just watch it. But it is a remarkable movie and quite uh, wrenching, harrowing at times um, but also just completely fascinating this this story. But yeah, I'd give that one hundred percent towny recommendation. Ooh. If you're going to watch a documentary, definitely check that out. Uh, it was on Channel Four, I think this this week, so it's up on their their streaming platform. Okay. Uh, if you want to watch it, perfect. Yeah, I'll
2: definitely check that out. But I'm on a bit of a, uh, a documentary kick myself. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I might I might do like a, a documentary week or
1: something. Um, Ooh. Well, I tell you one one documentary you might want to watch, Paul. Mm. A little next thing called "Abducted in Plain Sight," um, which is kind of one of the the um, the much talked about, much memed, much word of mouth buzz Netflix shows of 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 the year. Um, I don't want to get too much into it, as the name implies. It's a documentary about an abduction, but it's so much more beyond that simple premise then then the name might uh indicate to you uh it is it is quite the the whirlwind uh journey it's it's mm. um not necessarily an easy watch it's quite bizarre it's quite dark at times um but it is um it's kind of amazing it's kind of amazing so um yeah uh, uh give add that add that to your list if you if Does you that are get in an,
2: tr- an absolute the at your boy the barry lad recommendation.
1: Oh absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so that is uh, um, if you're in a true crimey kind of mood that is uh, mm. that is most definitely worth well, your I I'm,
2: I'm opening up Netflix now and I'm going to download it to my tablet. Mm. Uh, whereas I'm guessing Three identical strangers I'll, I have the four, for uh, the all fours is now called uh, app and I will watch that as well. Um is it under- is that I didn't catch that when Joe said that? Is that on there? That's what Joe uh, reliably informed me.
0: What three identical strangers? Yeah. No, it's on. It was on Channel Four, and um, so it's on their streaming service. Oh wow, cool! Well, I, I don't could... know. I don't know if it's on Netflix or anything else. But yeah. No, no, but I'm
2: saying <laughs> the. I'm saying all four is there. Formerly, oh, right, four yeah. On OD, yeah, I think yeah. it
0: was called before.
1: It, it is on all four that's great that's awesome I will all four is pretty good they they. Um, I just actually I forgot to mention this in tell I started watching the Eric Andre show on there yeah which is a, a completely bizarre uh, 10 minutes of television but I'm I'm very much enjoying it really and like it as I talked um, about the yeah, other
2: I'm, week Nirvana the band the show is also up on there it's great
1: yeah so that's, that's a, a handy little free service on yeah I will check out Three Identical Strangers for
2: sure yeah okay uh, I myself have watched uh, two documentaries: uh, "Fire," the Netflix what uh, uh, the, the, the Netflix uh, documentary about the, the Fire Festival, which kind of yeah. Yeah. infamously is co-produced by the media company who were behind the original advertising mm. of the Fire Festival itself, and "Fire Fraud," the Hulu documentary. About the fire festival, um, so obviously the story itself is kind of very well known at this stage. I don't think there's too much in the way of like great revelations, um, and in fact, what's interesting is the two documentaries take quite different angles um, mm. on the the whole shebang. The Netflix uh, version is a lot more in depth in terms of the mechanics behind the scenes, which is, of course, an an interesting look at, you know, the making of the original uh, marketing materials and step-by-step leading up to finally the the festival itself and and the fallout, whereas um, the Hulu fire fraud, as it's known, is a lot more caught up in the kind of culture around the festival and how... Mm -hmm kind of such such a, a scam or such a hoax could come to be in in this culture. Um, I think I actually prefer the Netflix version. I, I've heard a lot of people who prefer the Hulu yeah. one. I've heard a lot of people who prefer the Netflix one. I think I myself prefer the Netflix one because I think, mm. I think the angle of it is just slightly more interesting. And I, I, given that I, I'm very familiar with the story itself anyway, I was much more interested in hearing from people who were involved in it And, as I said, the kind of behind-the-scenes workings of how it kind of came to be and how it came to turn out, how it turned out, ultimately. Um, Mm. One thing that I I feel like the the Netflix version kind of missed a beat on is that they don't have any interview footage with um, Billy McFarland himself, whereas the Hulu one has interviews with him um and i feel like that's the that's the one voice that's kind of missing from it it's, it's it's it is very one-sided and it is very oh my god what a disaster what were we thinking whereas in the hulu one you do have kind of a, a voice of defense alongside that kind of you know typical mm. oh what a disaster no, 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 no. Um, but i think the hulu one is a little bit more scattered in it kind of jumps around from topic to topic and there isn't really a through line mm. like there is with the Netflix one. And the Netflix one obviously has uh, insights and access that the whole one doesn't have. And I think generally on a production level, it's kind of better as well. Um, I don't think either of them blew me away necessarily. I thought they were both kind of quite good. Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, it, there's there's not really much in the way of revelation or it's it's just kind of... <laughs> kind of an opportunity to to stand back and look and kind of gasp at um how it all transpired now i must say i think you know in terms of marketing i, I think it was like nigh on genius the way that it was uh publicized initially uh, I, th- I think it's one of the great examples of marketing done like to a t perfectly it's just so funny that they actually couldn't follow through on the, the promises delivered.
0: Um, yeah, it? yeah. They built of... they built a huge buzz around it, oh, but they're... I guess if you're just spending unlimited amounts of money on marketing and you're not actually thinking about how that relates to making a profit, then this is the a thing. I was
2: watching it, and in terms of it being an idea to have people spend ten thousand dollars on tickets for. For this this festival, the way it was marketed was was so, so perfect,
0: um, from the video Please.
2: with the models in on the island to the the Instagram posts and the the, the influence of influencers like it, it was d- done so well and then ultimately it was just so poorly planned and organized that
1: part of part of what was just so like annoying about the whole thing and the documentary the Netflix one really highlighted this um, uh, you, I mean it was mentioned there. Oh, they put all this effort in, and they didn't even really consider how do you turn a profit. But that—that's just the type of arsehole you're mad. The organizer was—he mm-hmm. just the you know, concept of money. You know what I mean? Had lots of money, had access, lots of money, and the really crazy part to me was like about an hour into the documentary when shit is really hitting the fan before it actually, before, just like a couple a week before the event and nothing's coming together, everything's changing and they're, they're running out of money and people are not getting paid. And so he like goes to New York and the documentary doesn't really go into this but then just like, oh, he like meets with some people and just sort of comes back with five million dollars. It's like, <laughs> These are like these are literally what's wrong with everything in life. It's just this yeah. arsehole who's had it, who's like you know thinks he's great because he's had these successful ideas like that 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 credit card thing he had before mm. this. Well, like, all all his things have gone tits up, but like he's still rich and he gets the coast on the idea that well they were like you know hot ideas for a while. I I have to go to a meeting now and get some more money. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like it's just crazy. Um, well, it's interesting but, the uh, the
2: Hulu documentary goes into a little bit more detail on his like ideas for what what the festival was going to represent in a, in a kind of a grander scheme which the netflix one kind of skirts by it was obviously just this and the net the netflix one almost just puts it forward as as a, the festival itself being a publicity stunt for the the app the what is it the like booking app for celebrities or whatever yeah um mm-hmm. whereas because he's interviewed in the in the hulu one uh, and of course, because he him being him, you can take it with a very, very, very big grain of salt, but um he goes into detail about um what the festival was supposed to lead to down the line, that they were going to set up a a kind of hub um in the Bahamas for like uh creative types and uh, models to come and do their shoots, and musicians to come and record stuff, and that they would it w- it would become not just the festival it would become kind of a a creative hub there. Um, yeah, But that's kind of, again, that that's kind of the, the viewpoint that the Hulu documentary has that the Netflix one doesn't, but then on the other side, the Hulu one, definitely watching it feels like there is, because they don't have the access to the behind the scenes, like the Netflix one definitely feels like there's insight missing there as well. But they're both kind of in the 6 out of 10 range for me. They're both quite quite good, easy, short watches. They're both only like an hour and a half long as well. Yeah. And uh, I watched also, speaking of an hour and a half long... Disney's Beauty and the Beast from 1991. Um, quite a good uh, film. I don't quite get the hype behind it of people who, you know, call it the the best Disney... Like, you'll see lists online that will have, like, all-time best Disney movies, and will have Beauty and the Beast, like, number one. I don't understand it at all. Um, it's quite a simple story. Like I said earlier, there's, like, no flab to it. It's very efficient in the story it tells. Um, that being said, I think it has certain problems that Sleeping Beauty also has in that like Belle herself is not a real interesting character like she's kind of portrayed as bookish and therefore good I guess, I don't know Um, and she obviously kind of spurns the advances of Gaston who's just this kind of muscle head narcissist but then kind of the Beast is is also you know, a, a kind of a mean curmudgeonly character so I don't understand what the film kind of tries to get across that one of them is kind of ideal, ideally better than the other. Um, only that the beast kind of comes around in the end. <laughs> it's the only real difference between them. And of course he, he turns out to be a, a hunk also. So it's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, she, she spurned the muscly hunk man for the kind of, you know, less handsome, but, but good hearted man. No, he's also fucking model quality. So, <laughs> i don't know uh, um i mean i like I, I do like it a lot i just don't think it's like top tier for me the songs are quite good in it. i think you know angela lansbury as mrs potts is kind of that film's um you know robin williams to aladdin that she's kind of the iconic voice in it mm-hmm. that the heart of the film but um yeah unfortunately a lot of the main characters in it don't have a lot going on character wise they're all very kind of one-dimensional Ironically, because you also have that kind of iconic, by nowadays standards, CGI three D effect in the the ballroom scene. Mm. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's quite good. I, I, might, I might check out the uh, twenty seventeen live action one, just to see how horrible it is in comparison. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know what kind, quite why I decided to watch it, but I just was in kind of a nostalgic mood, and they said, well, that's the one Disney of that era that I've really not kind of gone back to in years and years and years, so I just wanted to check it out. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well
1: I think that's, uh, that is our movie golf
0: for the week. So, I understand we have a quiz? (laughs) Yes! We do have a little quiz, um, that I've just put together. Um, it's called To Play Your Cards Right. (laughs) See, what I'm doing there is I'm pronouncing suplex the old-fashioned way to make the pun work. So just go along with it. Um, So what I've got is I've got, in honour of fighting with my family, I've got a list of uh, movies that star wrestlers Mm -hmm. or are are about wrestling. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a statistic and you're going to have to tell me if the next movie is Hala OR lower okay um so how it works is every correct one you get a point if you get one wrong i will jump to the other uh player and they will carry on and whoever gets the most points will win basically okay Win honor um so i've got two sets of statistics i will have two runs through. so who wants to go first uh i'll go first Okay, okay Barry. So we're gonna start with domestic box office for each of these films. So you have to guess whether the box office in America was higher or lower for each of these films. So we're gonna start with Fighting With My Family. Uh, so far that has taken 14,945,905 dollars at the American box office. Okay, so that's your starting point, 14.9 million. Right first film up is the marine the 2006 john cena film from wwe studios do you think that grossed higher or lower than fighting with my family
1: we're talking just opening weekend
0: no this is the uh, complete run complete run
1: yeah uh higher
0: you are correct. So, the Marine uh, grossed $18.8 million in its run, making it, I think, probably the most successful WWE Studios movie ever until Fighting with My Family came along. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's, you don't know,
1: count those weird ones where someone else made them and then WWE bought them. Those, you know, yeah. It yeah. down and that shit. That's
0: bullshit. Um, yeah. Okay, so next. Uh, is the 1989 movie produced by WWE or WWF. Uh, no Holds Barred, starring Hulk Hogan as uh, Rip and uh, Zeus and all the other lot. So that grows higher or lower than The Marine in America. Uh, is this still me? Yeah, yeah, you carry
1: on. I'm getting my uh, my Forsyth games confused <laughs> in my head. Um, okay, higher or lower than 18... Oh, I have no frame of reference to this because it was before I was alive.
0: Um, I'll say lower. You are correct again. It grows to just over sixteen million dollars. So okay, came in lower than the marine, so you got two points now. Uh, up next uh, is the Roddy Piper movie. They live. Was that higher or lower than the sixteen million dollars of No Holds Barred?
1: See, I know this is like a cult hit, but I don't know what what level of box office it was. I guess I'll go higher.
0: It was actually lower. Oh, wow. $13 million at the US box office, fortunately. Uh, So over to you, Paul. Okay. Um, So, yeah, they live grossed $13 million. The next movie is uh, the 1999 documentary Beyond the Mat. Do you think that was higher or lower than $13 million?
2: Uh, I mean, it's got to be lower, surely. I don't remember but that a...
0: given any traction. Yeah, Cinema-wise. you are correct. It grossed $2 million, though, which isn't, <laughs> isn't bad, considering. Yeah. Uh, I assumed it. I didn't even know it had a theatrical release, so yeah, not bad. Yeah, well,
1: But also, it looked like it was made for like 500000
0: Yeah, yeah, it was made for a few quid. Um, so next, Paul, is the rock movie Walking Tour where he plays a sheriff or summit. Uh, do you think that grossed more than Beyond the Map? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I I will put a, a, an extra little thing to my guess and say it, it probably grossed more than that it's opening weekend.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It, yeah. In total, it grossed $46 million <laughs> at the uh, American box office. So, yeah. A little bit more. Not, yeah. not even close, not even close. Um, so, I'm next. Suburban Commando, the... Uh, Early nineties Hulk Hogan, Undertaker movie with Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, uh, Wait, did that gross? That? What? Undertaker's did in there? That... That... He is. Yeah, he, is. he has a small role as one of the bad guys, non- non-speaking.
2: Well, the, he, his character speaks, but they dub a, well, oh, a high-pitched voice. Yeah, over that it. was yeah.
0: a squeaky voice over it. Um, mm. Did that gross more or less than Walking Tools forty-six million dollars? I'm gonna say less. You are correct. It grows $6.9 million at the U.S. box office. Um, up next, Blockers, the uh, John Cena coming-of-age movie. Uh, did that gross more or less than Suburban Commando?
2: I'm going to say more.
0: You are correct again. $60 million in its, in its U.S. run. That's a lot. Which um, is pretty good. Um, up next... One of our favourites here at the Cheshire Podcast.
2: Oh, is it? Put the it
0: down! <laughs> no! It is the big show cameo featuring a jingle all the way. Did what? that gross more or less than Blockers?
2: What was the number for Blockers again?
0: Blockers was $60,311,495. Oh,
2: God, it's probably going to be close, isn't it? Um... Okay, well this is Arnie coming out of his prime. This is like 97 Arnie was he still? Cuz I w- I saw I actually saw Jingle all the way in the cinema, but I I have no concept Ooh. of whether it was like a hit or not. Yeah. Um yeah. But Arnie yeah, Arnie was probably probably still a big enough star. Yeah, I'll say I'll say higher, but it's probably very close.
0: Well, Paul, you are right again. <sighs> Jingle All The Way grossed $60,592,399. Uh, so that's just about 300000 more than oh blockers.
2: Oh my god, so I didn't think it was going to be that close. close.
0: Yeah, very, very close. Very, very close. Um, so up next is the uh, Ronda Rousey movie Entourage. Um, oh man. Did what? that gross more or less than Jingle All The Way?
2: Well, I remember that it was six, like... I think, I think Mark Kermode had that as his worst film of the decade, the Entourage film. Oh, yeah, yeah. But does yeah. that mean it was not successful? Um,
0: was, it, was it a hit with the audiences?
2: I'll say that Entourage was less. I think that's yes. niche enough.
0: Paul, you've only bloody done it again. <laughs> Entourage grossed $32.3 million at the US box office. Okay. Um, so, yeah, not a, uh, not a big success. Um, <laughs> I think you might get this next one. Um, the final movie is the <laughs> the very first in the Spider-Man series. <laughs> <started>. <laughs> Randy Savage, Metro Man Randy Savage in yeah. a cameo as uh, Bonesaw McGraw. Um, do you think that? Do you think that grossed higher than thirty-two million dollars at the American box office? Paul,
2: I I'll say that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man did gross more
0: than the Entourage movie. Yeah. Do you think so? Mm. Yeah, you're right. You are probably right. by or a magnitude
2: got... of at least ten.
0: Yeah, four hundred and three million dollars <laughs> at the US box office. So uh, there you go. Okay, so we're we're going to go through again. I don't know how we're going to do this. Show. Let Paul carry on in his imperious. Well, no, this isn't. This is a new category, isn't it? Sorry, again. This is a new category. Yeah, but then Barry got first the f-
1: anyway because I went first last time. So
0: yeah. yeah all right. Okay paul you get to go first again okay so we'll start again with fighting with my family um that got a 92 percent rotten tomato rating from critics okay uh, do you think the the marine got higher or lower than fighting with my family
2: uh i'm gonna say lower joe
0: paul you're correct it was the Marine only got 20% uh, <laughs> rating from critics. It did very, very poorly. Um, so that's Marine. Up next, No Holds Barred. Did that get higher or lower than 20% oh. with the critics? Oh, God. Um,
2: you see, because Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around at the time, so will it get like the... I'll say, I'll take a risk here. I'll say No Holds Barred was even lower than 20 <sighs>
0: correct again paul oh my god this is one hell of a streak um no holds barred 11 percent with the critics on on rotten tomatoes okay. um yeah very very badly reviewed <laughs> um so they next up they live the roddy piper movie was it higher or lower than 11 percent
2: uh, i'm gonna say higher that's quite well regarded film i think isn't it probably in the 60s e- or 70s
0: yes you're correct, it was very well regarded It was 85% uh, Rotten Tomatoes yeah. Very well received, which is interesting Only $13 million gross and
2: 85% Well, as, as Barry said, uh, it's a cult, kind
0: of cult Cult movie, that is a definition Of a cult movie mm. um, So up next, note the Beyond the Mat documentary It's a higher or lower rating Than they live Lower. Ooh. You're right again, Paul Middling <laughs> It was eighty-two percent. So actually, very close. And um, both both very well received movies. Mm. Um, up next, Walking Tall, the Rock movie. Is so that higher or lower than eighty-two percent? Lower, twenty-six percent.
2: Oh, Walking that Tall. bad. I don't think it's quite that. Really,
0: bad. really, really. Yeah, really bad. Tall to good, that.
2: Callum loves it.
0: Yeah, you know the and critics. What, what do they know? What do they know? There's that bit where <laughs> this you... is for the fans, brother.
2: Be- uh, goes into the 2x4 and smashes up the place, don't you? Yeah.
0: Him and Johnny Knoxville uh, or whatever. So i next, Suburban Commando.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: Suburban Commando, with Hulk Hogan, did that do better or worse than Walking Tall, starring the Rock? I,
2: I, again, I'll take a risk and say worse.
0: <laughs> Paul, you've only bloody done it again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it got
2: uh, 15%. I mean, Suburban Commando is dreadful, to be fair.
0: Yeah, it is It is um, awful. Shit. Yeah. Um so up next blockers. Did that do better or worse <laughs> Be- than better. Blockers very good. You're yeah, you're correct. Eighty three percent. Very well received maybe. Uh I mean you've won, so we'll just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Quite some margin. Um Jingle all the way. Better or worse than blockers.
2: What what score did blockers get?
0: Eighty three percent.
2: Well, I think I Jingle All The Way is very low, isn't it? I think we discussed that on the podcast. I'll say lower.
0: Yeah, it's 15% as well, same as Suburban Commando, which is... That yeah. is wrong. Demonstratively wrong. And the funny thing is, like, the audience score is only, like, 35%, and audiences usually fucking love everything, because they're thick. Yes. So <laughs> that, that's pretty amazing. Um, up next, Entourage. Did that do better or worse than Jingle? all the way
2: uh, I'll say worse given that Mark Kermit is a critic and he hated it so Shh. well Paul you're wrong oh my streak ends
0: Entourage, Entourage actually got 33% mm. uh, Ron Tomato score so not quite as bad uh, so back to you Barry for the final question yeah a Little will turn around here um Spiderman <laughs> So was that rated better or worse than Entourage? Uh I'll say better. Uh yeah, you're correct. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of the Spider Man, very well received. So uh, yeah, that's it. So it's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen three to Paul. It's a bit of a drubbing. Um, very unfortunate, but congratulations to Paul. Thank you very much. He knows his, he knows his movie stats. Well, a few a
2: few risks to be fair, but they paid off.
0: Yeah, a few few gambles,
2: a few gambles. Um, I, well, we never talked about the Oscars, by the way. I was going to say my 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 victory speech won't be quite as good as Olivia Colman's. But... Oh
0: yeah. Well, um, should we bother talking about them? They were.
2: Uh, let me sum sure. the, the Oscars. Every single award fell into one of kind of two categories. Is I I thought they were going to win. Or they were at least in my kind of top two or three picks. Like, there was, there was no real, you know, stinkers that, that weren't expected. Um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody winning so many awards kind of befuddled me. But all the main awards were kind of like, yeah, I, I either kind of wanted them to win or they're at least one of my kind of my backup hopes that they would win. Uh, apart from Green Book winning the best picture, which I really don't understand. I think that was like my fifth of the eighth uh, picks. But, Ooh, um, well,
1: ended racism.
2: Yeah, but there it was, there were like two other, let's say quote unquote black films that were better than Green Book that were didn't win. So
1: okay. I saw a trailer for another one today about. I'm sure it's you know. A good film being made by people with their hearts in the right place, but another one about uh, the story of ending segregation in schools in America. That's also about a white man who says, "Hey, folks, can we not be better? Is is that possible?" It's just like how many of these are going to get made forever. Yeah. Anyway,
2: so that was a weird one. Probably the like even last year when um, Shape of Water won, which I didn't think was quite that good it, at least i can kind of understand you know there's there's even though i didn't like it that much there's definitely kind of a, an artistry to it that you know i can accept yeah green book is just like a really plain nice fluffy movie about two lads from different backgrounds Shari. that kind of become buddies nevertheless you know mm-hmm. weird pick uh weird to give peter farrelly a uh, screenplay award as well but whatever from the writer of Dumb and Dumber 2 and uh, pff, the movie um, <laughs> well yeah, that's called a glow up yeah so yeah Olivia Coleman's speech was obviously the highlight of it she was great Yeah. so even though she was my uh, pick yeah. I'm happy she won because we wouldn't have got that speech otherwise
1: yeah. Uh Let's jump into the wrestling goff
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'll walk for miles inside uh, this pot it's of danger. Danger. Uh, Batista is back in the old World Wrestling Federation. Um, he showed up on Raw this week as a heel, beating up. Rick Flair to get Triple H's attention, presumably setting up a WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he had an outrageous outfit, including blue shades and a blue uh, nose ring. Um, at fifty years of age, so <laughs> that's good. Uh, Would you guys make a video into you into Batista being back into the match?
2: Well, um, and, you know, the, with, with regards to the nose ring, you know, we know from the uh, interview he gave the other week that Batista is a proper actor not to be confused with the likes of John Cena and The Rock um, so I think knowing that he was a heel he probably went out and got his nose pierced just for it
1: yeah methods you know same
2: way that one nameless OTT wrestler wore them jeans that one time you know yeah. true heels know how to present themselves as such you know um, hmm. I'm kind of in two minds about the, the Batista heel obviously I'm super happy that he's back I'm kind of in two minds about him coming back as a heel. Um, on one hand, I think he's a better, more entertaining wrestler as a heel than a baby face anyway. Um, and if he's coming out with his blue nose ring and his little leather, you know, vest or his little uh, pink polo shirt or whatever and his sunglasses, I'm all, I'm on board for that. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the, uh, the en revanche for that is, uh, Triple H is going to be now by virtue of Batista being the hill, the baby face, um, which I think is a huge mistake. And I think the crowd are going to cheer Batista anyway. <laughs> I don't think they're going to cheer Triple H over Batista, given that Triple H yeah. has, has been on TV as a heel for like the last year. Um... Very, very odd decision. I think. Um, I think they probably were burned last time when Batista came back uh, and feuded with Daniel Bryan, and as a baby face and got booed. But this isn't the same situation. He's gone against you know the authority figure Triple H. Yeah. Like the crowd are going to cheer him, you know. Yeah. And like yeah. as it's you popular. saw when he came back with Evolution that one time, like three months ago.
1: And the other thing as well is that like of all the matches you could do with Batista. I know well, I mean I th- I think Batista
2: match. probably wouldn't have come back for another match is the point, you know.
1: Ah, he, okay. oh, he really I th- th- I think I think
2: he's interested in the Triple H match. I would
1: I would believe that he would come back for a Daniel Bryan match. I would believe he would come back. I think I think he'd come back for any kind of decently high profile Wrestlemania match I don't think after 10 years He wants to give his win back To Triple H uh, Which god I hope That doesn't happen But uh, Yeah Not big of the direction But it's good to have him back I liked I liked the thing on Raw And he goes Do I have your attention
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought the segment itself Was excellent
1: Yeah I liked that a lot
2: I loved the way he was shot With the little Like flat View of him dragging this little cameraman. It was like a Wes Anderson film or something. Dragging the little <laughs> cameraman yeah. across the frame.
0: Stay there! that's Good. And um, I don't quite get what I didn't want, bother watching raw. Obviously, hmm. um, why was he doing that? Why is he? Well, he's attacking Ric Flair to get Triple H's attention. But why was there a reason for that?
2: Um,
0: no. Well, he he when they were on SmackDown like two months ago
1: uh batista was like oh, oh, oh you've done it all trips except beat me and they kind of briefly moved on oh. but also batista i think they're trying to turn reality into a story line here because batista's been doing interviews for like literally years at this stage saying oh i'd love to come back but they don't really have an interest in using me and i'm not like hey i'm in these massive movies shouldn't you want to use me and they don't want to use me so i think they're going to try and turn that into the angle yeah um uh, which, you know, it's fair enough. He also did another interview this week where, he, where as Paul alluded to, just talked about how he's like a real... He's kind of... He's. I love Batista. I love how he doesn't give a fuck about anything. But he's also kind of an arrogant dude. She's like, I make Denis Villeneuve movies. You know what I mean? That was... Is- <laughs> That was literally his talking point. He's like, you know, The Rock and John Cena, God bless them, but they're not, like, they're not like actors. I'm in Dune, okay? I'm in <laughs> Dune. That movie that's never going to come out about a book no one's actually read. Uh, I mean, he, he's got you know. a point, to be fair. He does, but, he's, but also, he's not that good an actor. Like, calm down. Like, you're in Blade Runner for, like, one scene, and they have you doing big hard man shit where you throw someone through a wall. Like, you're not, you're not um, you know, Citizen Kane.
2: And, and then he did Dave. that. Then he did that West Ham movie with Pierce Brosnan, where he's dr- riding a motorcycle on top of the stadium or some shit.
1: Yeah, like like settle down, David. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, so so that was an interesting. The other return we got this week was we got the return of Mister Roman Reigns, the big dog. Um, he came back. He announced he was in remission, which is great, mm. and he seems like he's going back on the road immediately. Uh, which is great. Uh, I thought his segment was very, very good. It was a, it was definitely one of those super memorable moments. Got the old chills when he said it, <laughs> you know, and the crowd went crazy. I'm surprised uh, they
2: they wouldn't have his return match just to be a WrestleMania though. Would yeah. w- would that be seen as being too kind of on the nose? Like, given that it, w- it, w- it you know, it was a real life illness that he's had. To be seen like to almost be using that to promote WrestleMania, I guess.
1: Right, but, and the other thing, as well, is like they haven't made it official, have they, that he has a fast lane match?
2: No, but the word is that they are doing it, but a
1: the word is that he will, right? It's like, yeah, it's like, especially because there's not an especially compelling match for him to have at fast lane. Like, yeah, I'm definitely with you, um, um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe they just maybe they, I think they also want to bolster interest in the show in general at the moment so get him on mm. excuse me get him on fast lane get him on raw you know let's mm. let's 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 pick up the interest in wwe in general as we steam towards wrestlemania i can kind of see that aspect of it sure. um but yeah you know it was all good news again you know he, he didn't go into a whole lot of details but he also um um uh, he stayed very quiet in between the announcement and this, so you know, I think he's keeping the the, the details to himself. But that's good, and uh, we 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 roll on to uh, to WrestleMania with Robert Reigns in tow, and then our final return of the week—nothing but returns this week. Uh, Kevin Owens, after uh, these last few weeks of vignettes, came back on SmackDown. Now this is a very confusing situation because I thought these uh, vignettes, um built him up to be a baby face. And it seems like he is supposed to be a because he pinned Daniel Bryan and he's facing Daniel Bryan at Fastlane, right? But they did the thing, they basically redid the Becky Charlotte angle where Vince came out on SmackDown and he said, Kofi, I don't want you facing Daniel Bryan at Fastlane, so we're giving it to Kevin Owens instead, which makes him out to be a heel. But then he, he kind of feels like he's, he's playing a face. I don't know if that's just kind of scattershot, kind of lazy writing, but uh, weird position to put him in.
0: Yeah, and um, what was he doing when he left I don't I can't really remember was he uh braun uh, was at, okay yeah so that's, yeah interesting
1: yeah they I think I think they're trying to give him a fresh start bring him back as a face put him on a separate brand to braun because you know yeah um yeah I don't know uh hopefully hopefully the match is good and think about Owens is obviously been a big fan of Owens for, for like almost his you know, in years or whatever. But, like, you know, the AJ matches weren't much. You know, mm. he, he hasn't had a... He did, before he left, he did not have a killer stretch of matches. Um, so I'm hoping that the Brian match is great. And at the other interesting development about him coming back and that fast match is, do you think that this now opens them up to do Kofi at WrestleMania?
0: Will the, the Heat have died down by then? People still are going to
1: be demanding to Brian. Uh, the the announcement on SmackDown seemed to get people hot in the building. I mean, I, I think mm. I think so, and I think I think they're doing it on purpose. I think I think they are, mm. being that the fans will will you know because because in the last couple of years they've kind of gotten wise to this idea that if you if you take someone the fans really want, the best way to push them is to tell them that you're not going to push them, and, yeah. and then you know stoke the flames which is actually clever uh so i i i think yeah i think i think they will now i think it's an interesting uh, point because it is obviously it's a full month away so mm-hmm. we'll see if if kofi can stay hot for then but for now it, it certainly feels like he is um but uh, yeah that's uh that's the the wrestlemania card uh, sort of taking shape there uh new addition to the writing team in wwe i don't know exactly two new additions actually i don't know exactly what what this first person's role will be but Dana Warrior the wife of the Ultimate Warrior uh, has been hired as a member of the creative team my understanding is she's not the first or she's not the only woman on the team currently but um, certainly one of the most well known to be hired Um, I don't really have any opinion beyond that because I don't know what the fuck her qualifications are or what kind of person she is but uh, you know and and it's it's interesting
0: interesting. (laughs)
1: Hmm. Yeah, not really much we can say at this time. I I, I don't know that there's... Um... Yeah, will we notice a difference? I don't know. Probably not. I, I, we'll see. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if we notice a, a difference in how the women are presented, because that was the thing people always said, was that it always felt like, you know, it was men writing women, which is always weird. But uh, but anyway, uh, we also got the return. The prodigal son has returned... Uh, brother Love, Bruce Pritchard. Uh, mm. He's 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 turned his back. He, he threw his entire podcasting crew through the barbershop window. Um, lots of salt. <laughs> lot, lots of salty posts online from from Conrad Thompson's buddies, Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone, and pretty much everyone else who worked that that podcasting empire. Very annoyed that that Bruce uh, cashed in his his goodwill from that podcast to go back to WWE. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there you go. Again, uh, he, you know, he's done all right for himself in the years he's been away. He's got his podcast. He was an impact for a while. Uh, you know, he's decently well regarded. People like that podcast. But yeah, you know, there's your there's your uh, your brother love back in the fold.
2: Yep. Interesting the the movements backstage at WWE with all the, the all the Impact guys coming in in the last few weeks and a lot of moving back there. Interesting. And yeah, uh, Aaron Anderson going the other week as well. Seems like there's a a changing of the guard afoot. Yeah, Abyss
1: is back as an agent in WWE. I'm your agent, Abyss.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, did they, they put a little video out interviewing all the new guys, Sanjay Dutt and Abyss and those?
1: Yeah, it really is a a real significant portion of the uh, of what you would consider the the. The classic TNA roster I mean there are a lot of them are there now in various roles
2: <laughs> wrestlers uh, one of them you have AJ yeah. and Joe and Eric Young
0: Bobby Ruth. Bobby Ruth. yeah
1: um yeah and I think that's it for the news I mean Champa appears to have injured himself but I don't know that there's a whole lot I haven't really been watching any of his matches on the main roster so I don't really have a whole lot of much of a take on that um I don't know if anyone else does, but uh I think I think all signs are pointing to him losing that title anyway at the next takeover. So mm. now even more so. Certainly looks uh good. yeah. And I think we can probably wrap it up there. Um so yeah, next week I'll be away in Germany. The following weekend I'll be away in Dublin. <laughs> so it's gonna be two weeks of the lads holding the fart here. Um so look forward to that. They can do all the things they like to do when I'm not here. On you know unhindered unmolested you know just just talk about uh, you know football and that. Um,
2: well. So. What. I was going to say well you're you're certainly a molester but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah
1: you probably should yeah probably you probably not um mm. you know also the point was that I wouldn't be here so you know molesters uh, yeah I know. Anyway.
2: Anyway enjoy Germany Barry and enjoy Dublin.
1: I'll do my very best. I usually enjoy those places; they are good. Um, good luck in the so, bowling as well. Uh, good luck with the bowling. I'm going to need it, right, uh, certainly. Uh, but bowling. I'll update you all online when 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 that comes to pass. Uh, yeah, so the lads will be here next week, talking all the usual life, golf, movie, golf, all that other stuff. Um, so, uh, chairshoppodcast.com. If you want to send us an email, or if you want to dive into the episode archive, mm-hmm. chairshoppod on Twitter as well. Um Yeah. So uh I'd say that's gonna be it for now. We're gonna bid you farewell, it's goodbye for me, Barry Murphy, it's goodbye from Joe Towner.
0: Goodbye. Yeah. Oh I
1: didn't think, you didn't know I almost had an episode with that pig! <laughs> and it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin goodbye